love of adventure comes naturally to us. Since we were kids, there is something about living an adventure that is attractive and compelling. A while ago, I was speaking with this young woman. She was sharing with me that she wanted to change jobs and move to another city. And I asked why, and she said, I don't really know, just for the adventure. And I think growing up, we all, one way or the other, listen to this, our parents' adventures, these stories that they tell over and over again, that when they met, when they have their first child, when they're moved, and things like that. Almost like family sagas that they're transmitted from one generation to the next. My dad, for example, he used to tell me, when I was 17, I joined the Naval Academy down in Argentina. And of course, with that came many adventures that he liked to share with us, and we like to hear as well. So why do we like adventures, and what are adventures made of? What is the anatomy, if you want, of an adventure? The first element it is that you don't plan an adventure, but you are called into it. You land in it. You don't arrange it. A real adventure happens to you. It sweeps you away. And the more unexpected, the more adventurous it is. And I think literature and fiction show this aspect of, re of adventures very well. Think, for example, of Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit. There he is, sitting quietly in his cozy home, sipping tea. And suddenly, a knock in the door, and in comes hordes of dwarves, and then a wizard. And before he knows it, he's off on an adventure. Or Luke Skywalker living with his aunt and uncle in this insignificant planet. A droid appears with a secret message. The angels of the evil empire follow behind, and suddenly he finds that he's at the center of this cosmic battle, slowly learning who he really is and what his powers are and what he has to do to save the universe. It is true that there are arranged adventures as well. We plan adventures. We plan safaris, we plan trips, we plan hikes. But all these are relatively safe and predictable. The ones that we repeat to our friends and family are the ones where an unexpected thing happens, when something turns the other direction and we are in a new scenario and we have to sort things out. The second ingredient of an adventure is that there is a mission, something to be solved or accomplished or rescued or transmitted for the sake of something bigger than myself. Adventures, the real ones, are not just for fun, just for the amusement of it. Something is at stake, something important, if there are to be real adventures. In The Lord of the Rings, the fate of the whole world is at stake. Gandalf, the wizard, tells Frodo that the fate of the world hinges on what happens with the ring. He says, the enemy still lacks one thing to give him strength and knowledge to beat down all resistance, break the last defenses, and cover all the lands in a second darkness. He lacks the one ring. That is the ring that he has to destroy. There's this new movie that I saw, the trailer, 1917. It's called, where two soldiers have to deliver a message, or else 
thousands of soldiers will be killed. So they live their adventure. The third ingredient comes with the mission. The higher the mission, the stronger this third ingredient is usually. And it is that it involves danger and sacrifices and moments of tiredness and regret and temptations to go back. An adventure, if it's real, is also dangerous, really dangerous. We could fail. A real adventure includes struggle, trial, setbacks, sacrificial suffering. And we, when we are in it, we need all our wit and strength and moral character and some good luck as well. The last ingredient of a good adventure is that there is this omen of victory. In the end, if we are faithful, if we give our best, the benevolent power that is acting behind the scenes will plot on our favor. As we read the Lord of the Rings, for example, we agonize and fear for Frodo and his companions, but somehow we know that he will succeed. An adventure where everyone dies and nothing is accomplished is not an adventure but a tragedy, right? Cardinal Newman, when he, when he was returning to England as a Catholic priest and he was about to found the oratory there, was beginning a new adventure. It was a time of restoration for the Catholic Church in this Protestant uh, Victorian England. And he felt that adrenaline of the adventure. And he wrote, I quote, In truth, we Catholic advance when by all the rules of war we ought to fall back. For we have upon us the omens of success in the recollections of the past. We read upon our banners the names of many an old field of battle and of glory. We are strong in the strength of our fathers, and we mean to do in our humble measure what saints have done before us. We read in our banners, he says, these victories of all the saints that come before us, and that is an omen of victory for us as well. We know what is this benevolent power before us. Who is taking our back, so to say? So let me ask you a question. Do you think that these characteristics only belong to books and stories? Or we love them because somehow they reflect our own adventures as we journey through life? We like them because somehow we see ourselves reflected in them. The adventures that we like the most in reality, are not the ones that we read, but are the ones that we live, the real ones. I, was, I once was hiking the Lanin. The Lanin is the highest volcano in the Andes. It's 12,293 feet. This was many years ago. And I got lost. I had to meet one group at some point in, in the hike and in the climbing, and I, I got lost, so I had to climb alone in the snow and in the ice. And I was spending the whole day going up, fearing that if I didn't find the place, I would pretty much be, had a very bad night, a very rough night. I don't know if I would die, but it was very cold. And I was going up and up and up. 
I was praying and I was walking. I was hoping that, that my sense of, of where I was, was was right. And finally at 9 p.m. I, you know, I found the shelter and I met with the group that was waiting for me. And I'm proud of that day. I always tell this story. Not in homilies, but you know, I repeat this story. I was able to overcome fear and keep my nerves calm and think clearly and push myself to the limit. And we all have stories like this, one way or the other, our own adventures that we like to share and to let others know of things we did or things we accomplished, things that we are proud of. But I want to claim that the most impactful and important adventure happens when God comes into our life. That is the real adventure. Think of Moses, for example, in the Bible. There he was tending the sheep with a quiet life, and then God in the burning bush speaking to him, saying, Moses, I've seen the suffering of the Israelite. I want to send you to the Pharaoh and free my people. And his life was changed. Of course, he was set on this adventure. Think of David, the shepherd. He became the king, or Samuel, the prophet, the only son of a poor woman raised as an altar boy. Not the best setting for an adventure. And then there he was, this amazing prophet of fire. But most of all, think of those called by Jesus himself. Think of Peter, who was a fisherman, or John, he also was a fisherman, or Matthew, who was a tax collector. Can you imagine a tax collector on an adventure? They met Jesus, he called them, and off they went into an unpredictable adventure. Peter had no idea that he was going to end his days in Rome, or John, that he would have to live with Mary, for example, and end up his days in Patmos, receiving all these amazing revelations that we read in the Bible. Think of Francis of Assisi, for example, this young, frivolous man. He found the Lord, and there he was. Or Ignatius of Loyola, this ambitious and mundane soldier, found the Lord in a battle when he was wounded, and there he was. Or Pier Giorgio Frassati, when he died, thousands of poor people flocked in to, to pay his, their respect to him. In one way or the other, we are all called to live an adventure. Our life as Christians is an adventure, never boring, never dull. We, I think we often reduce Christianity to one of its parts, to a set of beliefs or to a moral code or to attending a religious service, coming to Mass on Sundays. And of course, these are essential part of Christianity, but they lack what is essential to faith itself, that is discipleship, what gives life to all these things, discipleship, following the Lord, being his disciples. Christianity is that, is following Christ. It's not primarily something that we do or something that we choose or something that we arrange. It's the other way around. The life of a disciple begins when Jesus breaks in and calls us. We then become his apprentices, and he takes us on a path that we did not expect. 
Our only choice is to follow him or not to follow him. But if we follow him, we are following him in his own terms. To become a disciple means to be grafted onto Jesus, like the vine and the branches. We are swallowed up in his own life, literally. Think about the Eucharist, for example. We're united with him. And once we do that, we're not in charge anymore of our whole itinerary. We have begun an adventure. Christianity is not safe and predictable. If you want your life to be an adventure, a real one, not just a weekend adventure or a summer trip type of adventure, you need to put Jesus in the steering wheel of your life and you need to sit on his side. You need to proclaim him your master and be his disciple. You need to tell him, Lord, you lead me and I will follow. You break in into my life and I will let you lead. I will listen to your voice because you're the good shepherd and I will walk behind you. And then once you do that with your heart, sit and wait and see what happens. Life with all the ordinary days, with all its regularity, becomes then an adventure, a mission full of dangers, full of trials, full of beauty. Every day becomes new. The adventure of loving more, the adventure of serving better, the adventure of overcoming evil, the battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil every day, the adventure of spreading the gospel, of winning souls for Christ, the adventure of raising a family in this secular age, the adventure of being bold about our faith, the adventure of fighting for the kingdom in so many arenas, the adventure of being salt of the, of, of the earth and light of the world. The adventure of going next Friday to the March for Life and witnessing what we believe. We become soldiers of this kingdom as we allow Jesus to come into our hearts. And then the extraordinary adventures that we could be plunged into as we follow the Lord. When Jesus is proclaimed in the power of the Spirit, lives are changed, families are restored, churches come alive, and poverty in all its forms begins to be addressed. What an adventure to be a part of this mission. We have, for example, at AU uh, Catholic Chaplaincy, three seniors applying to become voluntary missionaries uh, next year. So they just are they're graduating and they're applying to go all the way to Oregon to the West and to dedicate one year to mission and to spread the gospel among other students. What an adventure they are putting themselves into as they do that. They're, making, they're taking this risk. I myself could share so many stories. I won't. Don't worry. Now at least. But just coming to this evening, to the city two years and a half ago was such an adventure for Father Lucas and myself and all the guys. Coming here with not very much, you know, not much money for sure, not many acquaintances, didn't know where, we're, where we would go basically. We knew very few things and God worked on our favor and it was amazing. It was an adventure. I'm sure you could share your own adventures as well 
as we follow the Lord. And if we are stagnant, and if we are bored, and if we lost the sense of being on a mission, maybe we need to renew our faith and renew our offering to the Lord. Lord, use me. I might be a little old now, but I'm still good. I can fight for you. Use me. And he will. The adventure of being faithful, of carrying the cross every day, of being holy in his name. John the Baptist in today's gospel proclaims Jesus as the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. To baptize comes from the Greek word and means literally to be soaked in, plunged in, immersed in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit connects you with Jesus. And it is through the Holy Spirit that you begin your journey as a disciple. You know, in every adventure, you have this beginning moment, this anointment. The hero is given a special strength to begin his quest, this investment of special power to begin the adventure. And we have the same. We have the power of the Holy Spirit given to us to live out our adventure of following the Lord. He doesn't send us on our own. He sends us invested with the power from on high, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit that came to the apostles that day in Pentecost, and is still alive and moving in the church. So we need that strength. Jesus is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist proclaimed him like that. And I want to finish by making an invitation. We have this course that we have been speaking about, the Alpha course. It's a very simple thing. We get together, we eat something, there's a talk, there's discussion. At some point there's this weekend experience uh, where, where, where we um, you know, pray for the Holy Spirit to come. It's amazing, it's beautiful. You should come if you can. If you're an undergrad, we do it at the K Spiritual Center at AU main campus, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. If you are a grad student or older, a young adult or even older, you are invited to come to the one that we organize in San Anse, starting this Tuesday. 